Bonjourno and Bon We listeners. Welcome <laughs> to the Broken Campfire Podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and tonight I'm brought to you brought to you with Flask and John. No. <clears throat> Hello. <clears throat> and oh, right, Vito's back. I'm back. Greg tagged me, uh he tagged me in. Oh was, yeah, that's right. Greg Greg is gone this man. week. To quote unquote Italy. Greg went to Italy? Quote unquote. Well, you you traded places. Uh, Good for him. He's going to have a good time. If it's anything like that. I don't think he'll have a good time. Oh. All right. If you guys want to give Vito suggestions on better places he can go than Italy, um, go ahead and send us those at the email. BrokenCampfire.gmail.com or on the Twitter at BrokenCampfire. And also YouTube.com slash BrokenCampfire for highlights. Vito, I'm, I'm, I'm really talking to you at this point. YouTube.com slash BrokenCampfire for highlights on the podcast that you've <laughs> neglected over the last several weeks. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to neglect you guys. You know, I just I had a big, uh, hmm, no, know, a real big family trip. My Real big Italian trip. vacation starring yeah, Vito. Vacation. It was kind of cool. Well, are you going to talk about it? I think it's time for you to tell us what you've been doing the last. Ta- I mean, yeah, I'll talk while. about it a little bit. Um, went to Italy. I was there for like two oh, weeks. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't here the last couple of weeks. Believe it or not, two um, weeks. I felt like felt like much longer than that. It might have been our, our hearts grow. They long for Vito when he's gone. Right, right. Uh, it might have been a little bit longer than two years, uh, two weeks, um, <laughs> two years. That sounds <laughs> about right. It was probably like two weeks and a couple of days. It was a big trip that I was planning for a long time with my family. I had been to Italy a couple of times. My dad is from Italy, but he moved here when he was very, very young. So this is like this was a big deal. First off, my family hasn't like left the freaking tri-state area, so. I was able to bring him overseas to another country, which was awesome. And uh, we visited my dad's hometown in nice. Sicily. And it was so crazy. Um, it was just really cool to see him like in his element, you know, like seeing the streets and, you know, the soccer field and the, the school and the church that he, he went to when he was like really young. Um, and just like kind of connecting with his roots, so yeah, it was it was a really sick, uh, really That's sick really trip. Cool. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. What um, was the highlight? If you had to pick one thing, it was definitely we we went to a couple uh, different cities. We went to Rome, and then we, we went, went to down. Nice. I did go to I did go to Nice. <laughs> I, I started off in in Nice, France, uh, which was pretty lit. Isn't that actually pronounced Nice? How you yeah, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, it's Nice. Nice. Okay. It's niece. No, I think it's just niece. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was there. We went to Rome. And then we went down to Sicily, um, where my dad's from. And the middle of the trip, we went to his uh, like small, small, small town. Like everybody knows everybody pretty much. Nothing right. goes on there. Town. It was sick. It was actually pretty fucking. I'll tell you the highlight of my trip. Um. Okay, well, these weren't the high- highlights of my trip, but one of the cool things that happened, we get to this town. It's in the middle of nowhere. Nothing to do there. 
we go to my dad's old block where he used to live. And on that block, there's like this tiny, tiny, tiny like church, with like four seats in it. And my dad's like, oh, let's take a look inside. And somebody like pops out of a balcony and they're like, oh, if you want, it was like a fucking video game quest. Like, oh, if you want to get in there, you need to talk to the woman like across the street. <laughs> she has the key. <laughs> so like for whatever reason, this lady living nearby ha- like, had, had the, the key. key. Yeah, Did he throw you down a gun? Yeah. Or was the key color in a certain color? <laughs> yeah, it was glowing and it was floating. It was um, a blue key? And, and rotating. Yeah. yeah. What but if she gave you the blue key, but you needed the red key? That Man. Oh, dude, that would have been hell to pay. Um, yeah, so we knock on this lady's door. And it's an old, old lady. And she goes, who are you? And he says, uh, like, my name's Vito. Are they saying this in English? That, that's my dad. My dad's also Vito. He says, you know, name's Vito. And she goes, oh. Your Gaetano's son. Gaetano, so, that's a badass name. So she knew, you know, no one told her anything. She, this town is so small that she knew that that was Gaetano's son. Gaetano hadn't been, hadn't lived there in like 60 years. Wow. And I don't know how she really knew. I don't know if it would, you know, it, it couldn't have been the name because everybody from this town is named Vito. Because it's, I'm serious. It's like, she must have town. recognized him. I, I don't know. She just must have like put two and two together, but it was the craziest fucking thing. Like, I was like, oh Context. my God, that's, that's so nuts that like what people remember. And I don't know. Like, you know, my grandparents yeah. are gone now, but would have been really just, funny if you said no. If, if who said no? If your dad said no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah that been, <laughs> no, I never heard of him. Gaetano, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just it was just cool going to where uh, my dad was from, and and he was really happy, and that was sick. Um, yeah, and then uh, we went around Sicily a little bit, and uh, the rest of it was good too. But that that was the highlight visiting, uh, and we visited family there. We had family in that town that I had never really met, uh, and they were awesome. And they took us to their farm with sheep and we ate like olives and cheese and meat like right off the land. It was, it was a crazy experience. Or it's like, I thought you said right off the lamb, right off. The like, Oh, they, uh, they brought in one of the little ones to act kinda. as the table. Um, what do you mean? Kinda? Well, it was, it was like meat off. Yeah. It was like, Oh from God. The farm. Yeah. Oh God. That they had, right. they had got, um, that sounds nice. Yeah, it was it was it was really really nice. And now I'm fucking back doing this shit. Yeah, but did you play any video games, Vito? I did. Barry had like internet over there, so no, I didn't play any video games. Oh, okay. Um, I did watch. Um, weird. I know this is gonna sound crazy. I did watch every Godzilla movie. Um. <laughs> And every every uh, adjacent like got even any monster like or, or right, vehicle right. or whatever like any adjacent Godzilla and character. friends if you will yeah all the friends I watched all gotcha. of Godzilla and all the friends movies I watched all wow, of uh, I'm impressed of uh, Joe Para uh-huh. did you do that for real no I didn't it's on my list oh. <laughs> I played all the the Odd World games in order <laughs> okay. they suck okay. they're all bad they're all bad wouldn't recommend them same. Same. Uh, um, 
Now, you know what the only thing I actually did is I watched uh, both Top Gun movies for the first time on the airplane. Oh, okay. And uh, my takeaway is that um, if I was alive, like whenever Top Gun came out, or maybe I was alive. What, you would have joined the Air Force? I, it would have changed, <laughs> changed my entire personality. <laughs> 100%. thousand <laughs> percent. They had Air Force, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like a recruitment like center, like out, outside yeah, the Yeah, recruitment movie? people outside the theaters. Yes, I, oh, absolutely. Oh, 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 you're talking about the original, right? The original. Yeah, the original. And yeah, I've seen Maverick. it. I thought, it, I mean, it's just, no. I, and I've heard the, the new one is good, too, and I just don't get how it could be, like, legitimately good. They're, like, very different movies. The first one is just so fucking 80s um, I'm saying. it's just a goofy era. movie you watch it now and it's, it's hard to take seriously no you don't take it seriously it's not like a serious film it's there's like a freaking like a shirtless volleyball scene that's what i'm saying so I'm like, doing, I, like they're like doing like street fighter poses yeah, and, it's uh, like, it's yeah it's just goofy it's goofy but it's like of a time that's just like i don't know it's just crazy like all the media from that time period was like this just like super stylized over the top macho it's like very like like homoerotic, <laughs> like so macho that it ascends into just like like very homoerotic. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like sure, definitely. Sure. Um, yeah, and it's just I don't know. It's just a fucking crazy cool movie. It's got a badass soundtrack. Um, the Danger Zone. That's a good song. Or, or I don't. Uh, that's the name so of it. So good they used Never it again ever. in the almost the exact same sequence. Uh Tom Cruise is like a, is a, yeah, it's an he's an absolute creep in that movie. Um <laughs> in the first one. Yeah, he's just fucking weird. Like he's so creepy. Yeah. Um when he's like flirting with like a uh, the chick at the bar in the beginning of the movie, it's just super That's just creepy how people and, courted in the 80s. I guess though. so, but it's just really off-putting and he's Everyone just like did it. He's just like slimy the whole movie. Um yeah, Top Gun. And then the second one's like a lot more serious. They kind of drop all that, probably because it's, it's several decades uh, yeah. later, <laughs> and uh, you know the style of movies has changed since. But that was still a great movie, Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah, it is really. Good. I really dug it, actually. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was mm. going to be that great. I thought it was just gonna came be out like, of nowhere and blew everybody away. What did you? I, you know, I wanted to go back and listen to the pod where you talked about it, but um, I didn't. But you, you did, you thought it was okay, right? Yeah, oh, I, I liked it. Oh, you did yeah. like it? Okay. Um, I think it's, it was just like a really fun action movie of a kind that we don't really get that much anymore. Just like an unmitigated, you know, un, un, uh, unjustified uh, action film that just does it well, you know? Yeah, it did it well. And I actually was kind of like, you know, I was conflicted maybe like between, oh, are they trying to cash in on this a little bit? But I did feel like the whole movie felt like a tribute to uh, Val Kilmer. Um, at the very least, I was kind of I, I was kind of touched by the scene with Val Kilmer. I thought it was a good, mm -hmm. a really good scene. And yeah, that they got him in and that they handled it very uh, classy. Yeah, I thought I thought it was handled very classy, and you know I had heard that Tom Cruise said like he wouldn't do the movie unless right. Val Kilmer could get like a a good part in it. I guess um, right. You guys, you guys know Val Kilmer. He he's like very sick. He can't speak. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so he's got he's got a part in the movie where um he you know, he's playing Iceman, but in the future where he's a a fleet commander and he they say in the movie they go oh, he's very sick and it's just Val Kilmer Val Kilmer playing Iceman, he's not talking. Um he's typing on a computer and then Tom Cruise is reading it and just having like a full on conversation kind of like it's nothing. I thought it was just handled really well. And then he does, he does have a few lines of, of dialogue that were, were really cool. Um, he's got a documentary on uh, Hulu, Amazon, something like that. If you're interested in him, Val is it just called Val. I think, I think so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it recent. It's like after, you know, he's got the stoma and stuff and he's, he's yeah, using that to talk. I'll definitely Val, check it out. Val, I'm not like some Val huge Hunter. Val Kilmer. Fan. Not that and I don't like him. I've only seen him in like a couple movies, but I know that uh, his role in Tombstone is like one of the coolest fucking movie oh, yeah. roles. Have you ever seen um, Tombstone? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's one oh, of my that's favorite, what you're saying. Okay, yeah. One I of my favorite movie roles movie. is him in, him in Tombstone. Doc uh, Holliday? Yeah. Other than that, I've, I've seen him in uh, Top Gun just now. And what's that movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, oh, kiss, 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 bang, bang, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah it's a good oh, one. Yeah. It's a good. One. I think you're forgetting about Willow. He's in Willow. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, never heard of that one. Never seen it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, um, I'm, he also played Batman. You did. Oh, oh he yeah, did he did. Bat- did Wait, did he play Batman? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the woman Jim Carrey forever, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. In fact, he is the person that uh, notorious thief and credit stealer Bob Kane, I believe, said that uh, seemed most like the real Bruce Wayne of the on-screen actors who had portrayed him thus far. But oh wow! Uh, <laughs> of course, that came that you know that quote is from around the time of Batman Forever, I believe. I may be completely wrong about this, but I think it was Bob Kane. I think it was around the time. Uh, they were just so he was the movie. most recent. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> that seems I mean, like promotion to me. But I say, isn't Christian Bale a pretty good Bruce Wayne? I think all. Uh, yes, I think all of them have their uh, their you know positives. But Christian uh, Bale does does well with the character. Christian Bale just does the the gravelly voice. That's the only thing I kind of remember about yeah. his Batman. I don't really remember yeah. like him being characterized super well. Well, it was a it was a trilogy. Like Batman Begins, he almost never does that voice. Like the first movie, mm. it's pretty much entirely him as Bruce Wayne almost. I think Ben Affleck is the best. Is the best Bruce Wayne. What? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't None take any shit, dude. He's just got a shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's beaten tires. All right, what now else the on-screen Bruce Wayne's really like captured the billionaire playboy thing that well, except for maybe Christian Bale and like maybe George Clooney. That's but, that's what I was kind of thinking when I said he's maybe the best Bruce Wayne is like yeah. he he played like the the smarmy rich playboy pretty well. And I even wish there was more of that in in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Anyway, Vito, please continue. <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, I don't like I said, I I just got back home and I spent like the last three days. Um, I'm moving my my office, which is where I play games and do my work, uh, to another to another bigger room in my apartment. So, um, 
just ordering That's a bunch cool. of new equipment. Yeah, it's 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 good. Like I was saying earlier, like, you know, um I spend so many days on this computer, uh, whether I'm playing video games or editing photos or whatever, it's like, why not, you know, make it super nice and, and ball out a little bit. So I'm just shopping for another computer desk and trying to jazz up the place a little bit, mount my monitors, get some cool, cool things. John, how do you store your VR headset? Just, you just throw it on the floor in the fridge. Just throw it in the closet. Yeah, it's just, I, I, I legitimately had mine on the floor in my last. Well, it was just sit on the floor until I used it. I have mine in a uh, a bin that fits it and the controllers, and uh, there's a hole drilled in the side to put the wire through to to juice it up if I need to. Um, oh. I the Your reason DIY. I keep it in a bin is because yeah, the reason I keep it in a bin is because. Uh, it was getting dusty, <laughs> letting it yeah. sit out. No, you shouldn't. Keep and it I on didn't the really floor. have room in like my closet or something. It's, yeah, it wasn't. I was keeping it on a table, but if you keep it cold, the battery lasts longer. True. True. Oh. Um. Yeah, I want to get like a like a mannequin head or something like that. Some, <laughs> something cool to store it on. You know, I'm sure they have. That's shit a neat that. idea. Yeah. You can get your face. Made into a mannequin, probably. Ooh, that's a good idea. Mm. I could get my face 3D printed onto a mannequin. Uh, but give, like him a, like a, give him like a funny hat. Yeah, like a full-size naked mannequin of me in the corner <laughs> of the room with the controllers and the headset on. Anatomically accurate. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I don't really have anything, guys. I'm sorry. I came a little, no, that's a little fine. dry dried my first podcast uh, back. but uh, That's okay. Good conversation. I, plan, I plan to play video games in the future. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. Flask. Hi. Uh, you okay. got to get some good content to make up for Vito's mishaps. Over the All right. <laughs> little while. All right. I don't really have that, but um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have that, but I, I, yeah, I haven't really done much of late, but um, I've just been like occupied by creative stuff, like other stuff. Um, it's really after today that I think I'll be leaning into the season more like I usually do for October. But for now, um, the first thing I wanted to bring up is uh, a subject I don't really have notes on or like collected thoughts Trying to talk so politics. much, but. Yeah, politics definitely. That's where I'm going. All right. Uh, no, I uh, I have a subject I want to talk about, but please bear with me because I don't I don't have like notes written down about this. So for the last few days, uh, I've been messing around with stable diffusion, which is a deep learning text to image model that you can run locally and for free and as, okay. as much as you want. You know, some of the <clears> models online are easier to use, but they require you to pay a subscription or buy certain amounts of, you know, prompt tokens or something like that. This one, you can set it up locally, run it yourself as much as you want. Um, and it's like, you know, for the, the, the layman, it's for like Dolly, uh, or, or it is like Dolly, which is the, you know, the popular one in recent times. Um, Mid Journey is another one. Uh, all of them have, you know, a pretty good, they have cool stuff going on. Uh, this one I just got into because I could set it up. 
and it's got tons of options uh minutia for adjusting and i've been slightly addicted to trying things out with it um just going over and over again trying different prompts it's pretty cool uh because you can be so specific about what you want to generate um you should share some some stuff with us yeah i was actually i was actually going to so uh i have brought this up with both john and andy i've talked to them both about it um and in fact i asked for uh character descriptions from them or john i talked to earlier and then andy i was talking to today a bit um and so so they have D D characters and i was I, I wanted like a uh a full character description that i could uh slot in that i was trying to achieve a specific result you know what i mean like i was i was trying to get to a particular set of attributes characteristics physical characteristics um so john and andy do you mind if i share images with vito oh of course not the ones i, I made brick. actually yeah. i do okay. if vito sees it i'm gonna i'm gonna scream <laughs> <laughs> all right so um the first few i'll post i want to lay my eyes on those yeah yeah no first few i'll post will be uh for john's character oh you're gonna do it right now live yeah All yeah right. i'm doing it live i'm gonna grade i'm gonna grade them he's not he's not <laughs> do you, do you have those. the reference images flask reference images yeah like what our character tokens actually are oh like the the text pro- is it it's a text image so are you talking about the text prompts like the keywords well like i gave you like what my character actually looks like oh yeah um okay yeah i can i can but did that. you feed that, that into the uh you didn't feed you only fed text into the ai based on andy's image and and description yes correct all right so i i see some images here uh what do we got here? What, what's the order that I'm supposed to be looking at these in? There's no order. Just uh oh, it's just so the top two are just two variations of a uh, of one character. That bottom one looks like Tro to me. Looks like who? John's character. Oh, okay. Okay, so the top that's two that's are my John's romance John novel cover version. Oh, All of them are generated from the same John characters. I was gonna say the bottom one looks kind of like him to me. Okay, yeah. All f- okay, all four of these are from the same prompt attempting to describe John's character. They gave me a description, late 20s, fighter, uh, kind of buff, uh, years at sea, salted and worn skin, some scars, light brown hair, uh, longish, kind of tangled from adventuring, green eyes. That's, that was like the description I had. Those are keywords that I have, right? And so each of these, the first two are from the same prompt, obviously. The first one was um probably my favorite of the bunch and this is yeah, terrible really cool. this is terrible audio content <laughs> this is but yeah, that's all right dude we're fucking here this is what we do but yeah so like so for instance you can see the first one is like fairly accurate to with the actual description uh the third one is not but it is a cool art style that i was generating looks like frodo frodo baggins yeah, yeah, and then the last one is like what I yeah what I called my romance novel cover version. Yeah, very realistic. That's that's terrifying. That's an AI oh, generated. Right. This that looks like I'm, I'm looking at a real like a someone's headshot. 
this is yeah, this like, is absolutely. this is somebody playing John's character in the movie of our campaign. <laughs> yeah. Who who's the actor? Yeah. What what's the closest Andrew actor? Andrew Garfield. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I see. I, I see it. Okay. I was thinking like Adam Driver, maybe. I was thinking like uh, Jared Leto. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I want to I I see Jared Leto's tro at our campaign next session, John. That's crazy. So that's not a real person. Uh, that's not ready for that. That's an AI created person. That's scary. I think you should, if you have the ability, you should destroy, destroy your machine. <laughs> Are you going to um, share the descriptions as well or not? He well, he said it. I I, I, I said uh, them out loud. So John, which which is this accurate to your your mind? What you were thinking of your character as? Yeah, the PlayStation. The second the second photo is. That's okay. what I think. I do like, I, I I do like the PlayStation <laughs> Two Tro. Yeah, I I play. I literally used PlayStation One graphics keywords to generate these the second version of that first one. Okay. And is that because you just didn't put that much thought into it, John? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to think of our adventure as a, a PlayStation One game when I'm when okay. in my head. Okay. So here are uh, the ones that I generated today for Andy's character. He gave wow. me a description of uh, uh, dragon blooded uh, witch guy, uh, half kempt silver white hair. Uh, clean face, no blemishes, deep orange eyes, uh, otherwise physically resembles a human male. Um, this is nuts. Yeah. So I, uh, and also starry background was part of it, I think. Um, it was. So me. that's, these are some I generated. Kind they of all a, look very similar. Like, I, they all look like, uh, adaptations of the same person the last one obviously is a little different but that's that's really uh impressive do you think the ai is just ripping a full face from some other image or you think it's creating i think it's definitely scouring the internet for images and basing elements of the new images off of those existing ones. Okay. I don't think it's, I don't think it's specific enough where you could reverse image search or something and look it up, uh, to see what it used. It's not that specific, but it is. No, because even the, the from, lighting is like consistent throughout. So it definitely is like, right. And really with prompts, with the keywords, you are absolutely inputting extra stuff like, uh, lighting details, uh, art style specific artists you want to emulate the style of oh, wow. uh the type of like is it a portrait is it a landscape is it a painting it's a you know the, the is it painterly or is it photoreal that kind of stuff along with the physical characteristics i would say like the second one would be the best if it had the silver eyebrows yeah so uh, that's a that's a good point uh this thing is not per uh, I should say stable diffusion is not perfect, or at least I'm maybe not as good at the controls as I could be yet. Uh, I may need to do some more <laughs> practice, but there are certain things that it just like refuses to do or change, no matter how much you try to fine tune. Like with the eyebrows, in every picture it gave me black eyebrows. Except it the bottom one kind of has so- some silver to it. 
that's with me tr- like trying my damnedest to get it to change them to right. silver white. So you're just and teaching they only this robot what human eyebrows are, just so you know. Apparently, uh, it did this not. Robot like, knew everything about every facet of human of being a human. Except for the eyebrows, and you just put the final piece. Hey, you know what? That's yes. okay because my character's not a human, so we right, can forgive right. the. So, where's the where's the picture that Andy says is is supposed to be his character? Oh, I can. Andy's character see. is technically a dragon person. So that I... that okay. last one is the one he's okay. So yeah. I I yeah. can confirm that none of these look like Andy's character. <laughs> he's got a more I... anime thing going on. Definitely, I like think a, you should have just said Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> I think I think the second one with with silver eyebrows would be really close. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, work on that one a little bit more. Give it. Hair's a little emo in, in Andy's photo, the actual photo. Still a cool character um, design. Just... Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I uh, I have done some pretty neat uh, like wallpaper type images. I'll show you guys a few. I um, I think this stuff is awesome. I mean, I've been following a little bit of the uh, the AR AI art stuff. Oh yeah, these are great. Awesome. Yeah, I went for some like uh, gothic, you know, horror and also October yeah. vibes. Uh, I wanted some wallpapers that are seasonally fitting. These are fantastic. I would have any one of these as my my wallpaper. Uh, yeah, I've been yeah. following these this AI art stuff and. I feel real weird about it. I've even seen <laughs> the like, direction it's going. I just don't know how I, you know, the thing is, it's really good. Um, so, you know, eventually you're going to start seeing AI art or whatever you call it, replacing, you know, companies are going to be not hiring like stock image a stock photo artists, stock mm. photographers and stuff like that. They're just gonna, concept artists. They're just gonna, going yeah, to be. they're just going to go to these tools and create these images. And then, you know, I'm just wondering if eventually people are going to be buying AI art in a gallery or something like that, which I think is, oh, is bogus. Sure. I but, think so. Um, I, I've even seen like, you know, I, I'm big into like street photography and I follow street photographers and I've seen now some people are using these AI tools to create like street photography and it looks fucking awesome. It looks great. Um, I think now you could still kind of tell it's been done by AI because it's like a little painterly. Um, yeah. But as these tools get better, like you'll just kind of be able to like fake it. And it makes me feel real fucking weird. Um, don't really like How do you it, feel? I don't disagree with any of that, but how do you feel about the argument about how like people have said this about art with every new leaving technology for all time? Like people said the same thing about the lithograph or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the tools that have made art artists' life easier. Like people have said the same thing about using a tablet connected to your computer. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's. I think there's a difference between like a tool that helps you, you know, do something that's still very difficult and requires, you know, a lot of experience versus like just typing something into a computer and it is a yeah, I mean there's a difference, out. but it's just like where where I guess where is your line? You know, like if you talk to yeah. our friend Laser Zach, you know, he's he's really into drawing. Um and you know all the time he talks about how like digital art 
while I'm there's still an art to it, it's just you, you don't need to learn the techniques of actually, you know, pencil on paper. You don't need to learn, you know, like you know, proper like lines because you just draw a line in the tablet and it's going to be straight. You know what I mean? Right. It's like everybody's got their line. You like you know, technology is always pushing it somewhere. But this does seem like a bigger leap than it seems like a much bigger leap. Yeah. Than and I think most people who are into any sort of art medium appreciate like what goes into creating the piece, you know, um, there's like, for instance, like street photography is a cool medium because it requires that you be out on the street with your camera and you cap, you know, shooting constantly so that, you know, when the, when a fucking crazy moment comes by, you just happen to be there with your camera and, and you're able to capture it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, now imagine seeing a photo that's just as good visually created by an AI, but none of that work went into it. I think, you know, art is not just something that we appreciate because it looks good. It's also about, you know, you want to... The expression of the artist. Yeah, the, expre the expression of the artist and also the, the craft behind it and, and what went into creating it, you know? I think for the layperson, that's absolutely not going to apply, but right. I think for a lot absolutely. of people, it is still an important detail. Right. For for yeah. artists, for sure. Like as an artist appreciating other artists' works, like I'll I'll never get into like, I'll never say like, oh, this fucking AI piece is, you know, better than the real thing. I mean, I don't know why it has to be better or not though. Like, couldn't it just be its own category? Like that's how I see you. It. You would have a different set of thoughts about seeing a, a very well constructed AI art piece. That is well defined as an AIR piece, as you would something that was handmade, of course. But I don't think that your thoughts are necessarily like, "Oh, this, this, this sucks because it wasn't made by hand." It's, you know, maybe you, maybe you start thinking about, you know, what, why did they type to prompt this? What was the model trained on? You know what I mean? Hmm. That kind of I, thing. I, yeah, I do. I do appreciate how cool these things are and how I you know, and we've seen like in the last five years, these things go from being just shit to really, really good. Yeah. Um, it's more that like, I'm seeing these AI generated pieces like seeping into the same streams as uh, like traditional art and people trying to like pass off AI art as like, not, not mentioning that maybe it's created by AI and that, I mean, uh, that bugs me a little bit. Because they're competing in the same space. Right, well, yeah, that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable, but the hope there is like, if if we can build AI tools to create, we can also build AI tools to detect. You know what I mean? Like, It's kind of like an arms race, but eventually the, the art community will have sophisticated tools that, can, that will be able to parse whether or not something was AI generated or not. Maybe the art community, but not the guys, again, like the average person, you know, who might be yeah, buying sure. something like off of, you know, Etsy or, you know, or. Yeah, no, I think for sure. I guess more than anything, it just bugs me that I know that a lot of people don't care if, what, what, if it's well, AI or not. And that's, that's a personal that, thing. That does know? bug me too. But at the same time, practically speaking, like you brought up Etsy, John, if you see something on Etsy, that's $30. And you feel like you you would spend thirty dollars for it, like that's the that thought. is the like, value. Oh, that is the value that you attribute to this thing that you see. Yeah. Like, are you 
going to be upset if you found out it was AI generated after you bought it? Well, not me as a consumer, but if I was somebody on the marketplace putting like something that I worked for for $30 and then I seen something that I knew is AI generated that like I know could have been yeah made for, I'd be upset. But like, no, I mean. Yeah, I mean, look at these ones that that Flask posted. Like any one of these could have been. Yeah, those little landscape things. Yeah, like a landscape painting. Absolutely. Someone could have painted that with oils. You know what I mean? Well, no, I'm saying he could sell those on Etsy easily if he printed out like a, I don't know what size. A a huge version of whatever, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely easily he'd sell those. I think the bigger deal for me is the potential for homogenization in the art world, or especially in the digital online art world that things get more and more focus towards narrow art styles because people deem those the most like i don't know Worthy. fulfilling or exactly, yeah, yeah the mo- the most like universally appealing so like for instance one thing i'm seeing with stable diffusion is everyone everyone recommends that for most portrait work which is what stable diffusion is best at uh you input um, Alphonse Mucha, who is an oh. artist as, as the art style or as one of the art styles, because he, uh, his, for whatever reason that the AI <laughs> has determined his style, his, lends his style to the, to the really algorithm. makes the image pop, yeah. uh, and whatever it's doing to every image, it just makes it inherently better for, for the most, for most images. Right. Oh, uh, so that's going to make, yeah, so all artists from now on are going to be fucking copying Alphonse Mucha, whether yeah. through AI Suddenly or Mucha through really... regular art, because it's just what you're, this, what's what's in the zeitgeist, what they're seeing constantly. Yes. Um, Suddenly Mucha is just pervasive. Not to be like too much of a contrarian, but like what you just said, Vito, doesn't that just describe how art works? Like people imitate. Oh, that's like, true too. Like, I'm not, like, yeah. Like any normal person can name like five artists off the top of the head at most. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's just the only, I don't know, the differences in, yeah, maybe it's just person. I guess it's just like, yeah, you, to copy those artists, you used to have to, I guess, quote unquote, work Learn for the it. technique. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this, I mean. Versus just typing their name. No, I get it. Right. And, and you could argue there's a technique for typing in certain keywords and like, you know, I guess taking the time to dwindle it down, but. I don't think you can make the argument it is as tough as learning how to, you know, to actually draw. Right. Well, yes and no. I mean, definitely, sorry, what you just said, definitely not. But the way I look at these, and it's maybe not fair, is like, I think it's really impressive that our technology can do this. And I think about the amount of time that went into making this AI. And I think that's comparable to like learning a sophisticated art technique. Like what they do. You know, oh yeah, it's it's super. Yeah, impressive but then again, the that's the person who made the AI's right, time right. and talent, not right. like the person doing it. For sure, Definitely I'm respect. That. I'm respecting the magic paint paintbrush, not the painter who's using it. You yeah, know I mean? yeah. No, I, I see just, a little bit of what you're saying too, though. That's why I say I'm conflicted with any shit like that, like how I was when NFTs came out. Like, and I've definitely decided how I feel about that, but. I'm just seeing a future where uh as this more complicated as these more complicated models uh more specific models get easier and easier to use or to like uh set up it it will flood <laughs> flood the uh 
the art galleries of the internet, you know? Yep, for sure. Uh, and it will not be contained in its own regions of the internet, you know, in the sites that are specifically for AI image generation. It will be everywhere. And that's not, I'm not even saying that's a negative thing. That's just kind of the way it's going to be. We're, we're getting to that point. It's, it's hey. you, you know, you can like it or dislike it, but it is the way it's going. Maybe maybe the positive spin is that it increases the value of the handcrafted art. Right. That yeah, you can commission something very specific from an artist and that will always or that should more often give you a more specific result than AI until AI gets good enough that uh, it's no difference whatsoever. That's another thing too is that um I think that technology like this, it does plateau for many years. And I'm not saying yeah. that we've reached the plateau, but like, I think that a lot of people see these tools and think that like coming next year, it's going to be 10 times better, but that's just not the way it works. Right. It's not just exponential all the time. Right. But yeah, it's already at a really cool place and um, I've been having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you've been enjoying it, Flask. The death After of everything uh, I just said, yeah. society. <laughs> yeah, just fucking every Sorry time you about... generate a piece of art, just put another nail in the coffin. <laughs> Sorry about your culture, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but um, these are looking. These are pretty nice looking, though. Uh, I think I'll, I think I'll right click save image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that went on a lot longer than that. That uh, that subject went on a lot longer because we had a good discussion about it. But uh, do I have time to no do a couple other things quickly? It's up to you. Yeah, if you if you got stuff to say, go ahead and say it. Um, I watched a, a recent movie called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I think it released a couple months ago. It's about a group of young adults who go to a mansion for a get together and. Uh, then a storm hits and it's dark and there's a murder mystery that happens. Um, it's sort of insufferable, but also oh. fairly insightful. It's, it's a bit of a mixture. Yeah, it's a mixture. Um, I would say those things kind of go hand in hand for this and that that's sort of the point of this movie. It seems to accurately reflect the generation below us, like the 20-something generation. Um, but it's also a satire, but it doesn't it doesn't even really have to exaggerate anything. It just depicts characters uh, who are like archetypal of that generation. Like like beholden to social media, terminally online, obsessed with optics and virtue signaling, um, post ironic, etc. Um, but this movie is a murder mystery, but it is a murder mystery. That's the baseline of what the okay. plot is. Uh, and it There's sets those characters, zoomers. those types of characters, yeah, in a character-focused horror setting where suddenly things unravel uh, quite explosively. So I actually oh. do recommend it, I think, because just, you know, go, uh, it, it, I think it does do that, what I've been describing well, but just go in knowing that the people you're watching are supposed to be that way. Um, and so you just have to kind of deal with that. It's really not bad. Uh, insufferable second. from a like purposefully yes yeah okay oh yeah at first i thought you just thought it was terrible no not the movie itself 
the characters. I also watched the brand new sequel to the comfort classic Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, <laughs> that came out at the end of September. How was that? Uh, it's fine. You know, it's fine at the end of the day. Was it as good as the Oscar winning Hocus Pocus? No, unfortunately it was not. But uh, amusingly for the sequel to a family-friendly 90s movie, I would say HP2 has uh, somewhat lost its edge compared to the first one. I mean, it's very much the uh, rounded corners, Disney-fied sequel to what the original was. But for that, the it's fir- still The decent. first one had edge? You would be surprised in I've comparison how much I edge it. it had. <laughs> I, I, I only seen it once though, so I can't really recall perfectly. But, um, yeah, let's just say in the first one, the witches seem like they're actually capable of killing someone. Murder. Yeah, and they do it. Whereas in this sequel, that's less of a factor. Do they get stupider um, in the sequel? Like they're just bumbling. bumbling they're definitely idiots. still as bumbly and stupid, if not more so. Uh, I don't know if they're more or less, but definitely the same amount at least. Okay. Uh, so probably Focus more Focus for kids. Ending explain. <laughs> I, I do think that's like a, that's like a Disney well, thing. Post credit scene breakdown and Easter eggs. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The 13 minute video on IGN. Wow. Do you need to watch it. this flask or did you? No, I think I, I think I got it. A do you want to take course. a break and watch it? I think I got a good grasp on it. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, there might have, you know, there might be more to it. I could, I could, I might have missed something, but it's probably more for kids than uh, for all ages. Was what I was going to say. Bette Midler still fun to watch. She's like seventies, but still fun to watch as the character. Uh, the new protagonist didn't annoy me too much, but they do have um, that seemingly inescapable contemporary teenage movie trait of of being like sophomorically mature and overly witty. And sort of above it all and like snarky all the time. Um, which can get frustrating in basically because it's basically in anything with teenagers th- these days. Um, but to be fair, they do also get scared of the situation sometimes. So they're not insufferable. And that's not the point. <laughs> Don't know if you noticed, but Mary's smile in Hocus Pocus 2 is backwards. And here's why. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Is that, yeah, her smile is backwards. She's frowning. That's in the original film, in the original film, it's skewed to the right, but in this movie, it's skewed to the left. Oh, oh, the one witch who um, she's oh. got a crooked, crooked smile. She's like a like a had a stroke or something. Wow, did they not have a continuity person on set? Yikes! Yikes! I'm surprised she wouldn't remember that if she went through a whole movie. Smiling to the left, and then and then she didn't remember that. I feel like I would have muscle memory. There's a scene in the beginning where when he slaps me, and my mouth goes to the other side, and then she slaps me again, and he goes to the other side, and it sticks. Oh shit! So it's not so not so she's right. So actually, the person who wrote that article was wrong. Is that what you're saying? I think the article is just explaining explaining why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty Damn, nuts. The lore. So that's, a, that's a good little Easter egg. So, Flash, if you'd watched that video, you probably would have caught that. So maybe there's more. I basically didn't see the movie. Yeah. 
if I'm not I'd catching watch, these I'd things. I'd watch that video. Um, anyway, the one last point I wanted to make is they introduce a new witch character uh, played by Hannah Waddingham, Waddingham uh, which, who, who is probably best known right now for uh, being the team owner on Ted Lasso. Um, mm-hmm. she, has, she has one scene in the movie's prologue and she's so good and immediately intriguing that I wished that the movie had just straight up been about her as the witch threat because she has such presence and pathos in her, her brief appearance in the movie, not to mention a good design. Uh, I think she looks cool. So I hope if they make another one, uh, she returns as the villain. You hope is what a waste to not use her. I hope is popus. <laughs> I guess I do hope is popus. Anyway, hocus pocus two. Uh, yeah, uh, I still it's fine. Bodies, bodies, bodies. I recommend. Is that your first spooky movie for October? I'm sorry, I mean, bodies, 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 and and then hocus pocus. I mean, Is maybe it? like technically, I've been watch, I've been watching <laughs> spooky stuff for the last few days, just sort of under the radar. Okay, um, but nothing like super mentionable aside from these two movies, and that's all I really wanted to talk about uh, right now. I I was gonna mention Nightmare Decay, but were we? Were you gonna I, did you beat it? I I got pretty far, but I haven't beat it yet. I did beat it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did I don't it get, for you. I don't, well, okay, but I didn't play for like the last two days. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. What was your final play time? What was it, Andy? Like one uh, hour. 52. 50. Okay. Because yours was 140, right? 140 something. I was 141. So I joked that. Okay. I'm pretty sure I joked that you were 11 or 12 minutes slower than me. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I that want to assume that I left the game open because I have two uh, two point three yeah. hours right now. Oh, don't get me wrong; my, my actual time on the game is like four hours. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. I'm the going by the, the save file time. The save file, gotcha. Especially on hard mode, I was dying a lot. Uh, well, if you want to talk we're about it, talking go ahead. about it already. Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Nightmare Decay is fun. Uh. I was I had it on the list, but Andy also recommended it, and it seemed really cool. I once I started playing, I I had definitely played a demo in some time in the past because I remembered the first, the initial, uh, you know, twenty thirty minutes of the game, but just like a super cool uh, Resident Evil, I don't want to say knockoff, but it is very in the style of. Resident I mean, Evil. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's more of a first person shooter as well. But it is a first person shooter, yes. So and, it's a different uh, style. And I think it has some things in there like that are kind of like poking fun at like beloved game design in general. Like it's, it's overwhelmingly Resident Evil, but there's a few things in there that is like, all right, I know that's not from Resident Evil. I know where you got that from. <laughs> it is self aware. Yes. Yeah, very self aware as a game. I mean, doesn't it, it open up genre. with that the opening scene from Resident Evil with the zombie? Eating the, the person. And oh yeah, the turnaround. Yeah, the same. Yeah, there was another. There was well, I mean, the, man, the manor is like laid out. Like there's some rooms in the manor that are, are pretty well exactly like a counterpart in Resident Evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's laid out in a very familiar way. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, no, I also really enjoyed it. Uh, I played on hard mode, so I'm better than the other two. Um, uh, and actually, I what, would recommend what? people playing on hard mode. Hard mode of uh, decay. 
after seeing me play through on normal. Yeah, not because I felt like you had too easy of a time, but um, and I know that you were playing conservatively, but I also play conservatively, and like there are moments where you had like, like I was laughing that you had over a hundred pistol ammo at the very end of the game, and like mm-hmm. I never had that much at any point in the game, not even close. Yeah, I could have had a much shorter and easier time if I had just let myself spend resources and also not play with fire all the time. Like I was constantly yeah. trying to skirt things and not use stuff. I noticed, yeah, you were you were constantly at low health, even though you had so many health <laughs> items. And sometimes you would die just because you forgot to heal when you were at low health. It's like Are you a hoarder you... in, in real life at all? No. Do you have hoarding tendencies? No. Not in real life. In games it varies between game to game, honestly. It okay. depend it depends completely on how I feel with the, for the Don't game. get me wrong, I, I don't blame you for but it's just uh especially like well, I don't want to spoil anything, but um towards the end, there were some moments that I think would have been a little bit heightened for you if you had use had only a, a what had like less than twenty five percent of the resources that you had going into them. Sure. Uh, and I'm only saying that because I beat the game like a day before you um on hard mode so i had that experience of like feeling and seeing how you were playing immediately afterward if it actually seemed like i was surviving and not just thriving right yeah. just walk right. waltzing were, through the mansion yeah you were thriving i was thriving definitely just and surviving and vibing and <clears throat> hoarding for sure um no it was a fun game um i'm actually excited to check out some of the extra game modes at some point maybe we'll do it on a stream but there is a dungeon escape roguelike procedurally generated mode um, there is a randomizer mode for normal and hard mode. Um, and actually, you don't unlock the randomizer modes if you beat the game on normal mode. We found that out um, when Flask beat it. So you got to be hard mode if you want to get everything. Yep. Wow. Which is in line with the Resident Evil, you know, style. Yeah, is, sure. is they, they always had hard unlocks that were different from normal. Yeah, cool, cool game. Uh, and I... I think I bought it for like five bucks. Yeah, I bought it cheap. Yeah. Is all you have, Flask? I think so, yes. All right. Hey, I think we're going to go ahead and take a break just so we can uh, come back with John and my round table and then the news. All righty. All right. Maybe we just go straight to the news even. <laughs> Who are yeah, you? We're not doing that. You would like that, wouldn't you, if I didn't have to quiz just, you on... I'm trying to help quiz, you guys I ha- out. I got a quiz you on Twin Peaks still. Like, you're you're far behind on that. I'm uh, just saving you guys. I just don't see how you could follow up me and Flash. That's all. What did you even talk about? Like, I, I talked I about a, a life, I, I actually a life do not experience. I actually a, don't a remember. A fantastic life experience. Something about your dad, Guantanamo. We blocked that out because it doesn't feature uh, horror. How elements. funny! You, I, I, what, I wonder what would happen if, like, next week or whatever, this pod comes out and I listen to it, and like my roundtable is just not there. I guess that'd be pretty be funny. funny. I think I would. I think <laughs> I would laugh. I think I'd find it kind of funny. I but I would have to include I would have to include Andy introducing you and then just move on like just skip right to the next to my roundtable. Yeah, he could just have like your audio track muted throughout the whole pod so that like there's like 15 minutes of dead air when you're talking about <laughs> going to France. That's the ticket. 
here's my official take on frozen meals. Frozen meals. If I gotta fucks around with the meal while it's cooking, it's not a good frozen meal. I'll put I it in the microwave. It up several times. Yeah, this thing I got going right now. First thing I gotta do, take the frozen chicken out of the meal. You just okay, I guess I gotta have a plate now for this. <laughs> let it cook for a minute, then stir the macaroni and cheese, put the chicken back in, then let it cook for another five minutes. Whoever made this frozen meal, fuck you. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to start the second half of the pot off with a little bit of John. A little bit of John. What do you just got? A, what have you been doing the last week or so? Just a pinch of John for me, please. I want to leave everybody waiting. Make it good. Well, let me break it down for you. In video game news, I've played nothing. Except very well. What the oh. fuck? A tiny, tiny bit, almost unmentionable, really. Bit of grounded. Uh, one point like came out in September. We finally got around to playing it. Unfortunately, even though it was advertised, and I'm sure you can, I'm sure we were unlucky. Uh, it was advertised you were able to carry your save over. You know, and your your story progression would probably be reset. Your base and items would be you know, remaining, but that was not our case. Uh, it would crash each time we tried to load, so we had to do a fresh reset. So most of our playtime yesterday involved just kind of getting back to where we were. Mm-hmm. But I would say we pretty much got there, and in some situations, we're even better off. Uh, yeah, I would say it was kind of a bummer that we lost the base, right? But then what Alex built in just a few hours... Uh, and the new save file was even better. I would say so. Yeah. So, yeah, we started playing 1.0. Um, oh, yeah. To be clear, it's the three of us, not Vito and uh, Alex. Those are the yes, four that are playing yes. uh, this current Andy, game. Andy, uh, myself, Flask, and uh, my brother Alex are playing. That is our, our crew. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really... Well, no, we have seen a few things that they've added that we didn't see before um so off the top of my head it seems there's a cookery now make like a stove and i guess there's some sort of cooking ingredients um we noticed a few landmarks that are new we noticed some sort of crazy like uh fucking green face like skull castle in the distance like a yeah like a frankenstein (laughs) castle thing yeah um there was a few new things in the lab, uh, small things. It was like a, a monitor. You could see like the other labs in. Um, intro cutscene. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of small connective tissue that just straight up wasn't there in early access and is now that now that it's a part of 1.0, it kind of really makes the whole thing flow well and like I was connects saying, it makes the it feel disparate whole. parts. Yes. Well, yeah. they've been mostly incremental updates all the way throughout the development. And we've gone back two or three times to play some of these incremental updates. I call them incremental, but they were they were pretty big. But um, this this really did feel like a 1.0. I mean, it feels like a 1.0 so far. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I feel like I'm playing a complete game. It's almost like they were saving sick. this last batch of stuff of of connective stuff for 1.0, so that they could say, "Here is the game." You know, here is like the I wouldn't be surprised release. if that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it as much as I thought I would. I don't have too much to say about it. Like we haven't gotten uh, further than we have before. 
Uh, one thing, I don't know if it's just me, I, I haven't even looked up any kind of reception on the the game or the patch notes or anything. It seemed like, I don't know, dude, we went to that anthill to fight those ants, it seemed like there were more ants than ever, or more bugs than ever that like came out to fight us. It was definitely a swarm. Big swarm. Um, yeah. And they were tough, and it makes me wonder, like, do we just have to upgrade our weapons or just get into, a, like, the milk molar abilities and stuff? We we couldn't we couldn't even get in the ant nest, let alone like explore it. They could yeah, maybe they rebalance things to kind of like encourage you to go take care of the hedge quickly and start getting berry stuff because that I don't I, I, I don't know if that it was before. harder. We did that I mean, before, yeah. but but usually we would clear out the ant hill first, you know. That's what I'm saying, yeah. We like we went through the whole thing and for this time we couldn't even get in it, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh yeah, exactly. And they do very uh, much direct you as to where to go or what progression to follow. For sure, yeah. yeah. The uh, Burgle, the little robot, he definitely tells you, you know, this base, this base, this base. And like I said, there was a new little room they added that had a, you know, kind of numbered, like, number one, hedge base, number two, pond base, number three, you know, haze, number four, uh, uh, no, uh, Black Hand Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Which those last two, I don't think we've touched yet in our playthroughs. No, I don't believe so. Scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to play it. I, I even, I'd even put some time in after the pod if, if we have. Oh, I'm down. I was having fun. Um, um, the only other thing I want to point out, John, I agree with everything you said. I just posted um, to our podcasters the feature board for Grounded on the Obsidian website. Um, I don't think they've outright said if they're working on more content or DLCs and such, other than they have different sections of this feature board, such as planned and for the future. That includes things like additional backyard environments, additional weapon types, um, that kind of thing. So weather, we'll get, weather could be interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, under, under, under for, for the future. future. Yeah. Yeah, we also got backyard changing events under the future. Uh, well, Flash, you kind of pointed this out yesterday, but you saw a jack-o'-lantern on one of the ports. I wonder if that's like a backyard-changing event. Like a right, I was thing. speculating that it was a seasonal decoration, and maybe that would change, like you said, to a snowman or something like that yeah. in the winter. The only other thing that you didn't say that I wanted to say is that like this game started in development before Valheim, uh, and I only mark that just like time-wise. These kind of games like develop a lot I think two years over a short period of time. You know what I mean? And uh, grounded is so far is really nailing it for me as far as the quality of life department goes. You know what I mean? Like it would have been, it wouldn't have been surprising if the game felt like it was behind something like Valheim or other popular survival games because of quality of life. So how long it took to make? But stuff like hitting in to just hot deposit all my stacks. Mm -hmm. um, quality of life improvements. Yeah. Grounded's not the only game to ever do that, but I'm happy that Grounded is doing that. Yeah, Andy, you uh, you mentioning Valheim reminded me that uh, among the world generation options, which of which there are several cool ones that you can mess with, but one of them you mentioned was, uh, what was it like? Like buildings or construction needs uh, uh, building supports. integrity, integrity. Yeah, yeah. Which is very reminiscent of Valheim, and I wonder, I wonder when that edition came. Um, we yeah. didn't try that, 
because we were worried about it maybe not being quite up to Valheim standards. And, but, and, uh, and the reason we were worried about that was because it was, um, at least I'm pretty sure it was by default toggled off. So right. I assumed yeah. it was like an experimental feature that they're like, play around with this if you want. We're not really sure if it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, grounded. I mean, grounded wise, we, we got to play more to uh, sure. see more of the game. I'm excited. I'm excited to play more though. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. I want to get into it. That was one thing I was kind of worried about with restarting it over again because we've done that intro like three or four times, but it still felt new enough to me. You know, we were mostly hitting the same beats, like the polish, the the, the little things they added. Uh, I, I was I was very happy with last night. It was a great session. I I also yeah. feel like we've gotten good at it. You know, it's kind of like a. Uh, minecraft at this point maybe maybe this is the first run that felt like you know uh playing minecraft back in the day where you're so used to the early stages that you just speed through them you're really yeah, efficient at them moving. yeah you yeah. get good real quick you know for sure for sure and then we can drag kinda... alex face down across the dirt through the rest of the content after this <laughs> I, I I don't see why they wouldn't add in the future, but I kind of wish there was a just a uh, a free survive mode, you know, that you didn't have to start up, watch, you know, the intro cutscene, and you know, have them, you know, start in that one little area. You know, I wish it was like a random like start, like just put you somewhere in the yard and you had to survive. That would be cool. Yeah, for sure. You could almost imagine like a Rust like system with like dedicated servers and stuff where people like claim parts of the yard as their own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's grounded, but we're gonna play more of it. We'll have more to say later. Um, that's 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 it. Other what? than that, yeah. all right. I've just uh, I haven't existed. And exist, you, you show will me not that trick for another seven days. Goodbye. Ah! <laughs> it's time for my roundtable. That was sad. Like I said last week, I had. The next show docked up Raised by Wolves uh, as classic's oh, yeah. recommendation. Uh, so, of course, I watched Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers what? Dynasty instead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Rise of the Lakers Dynasty? I've never even yeah. heard of that. But. Hashtag winning? Yeah, so if you've never heard of this, this is uh, a show that came out uh, this year on HBO. I don't recognize the guy, Max Bornstein and James, Jim Hex. I, the I recognize that first name. I don't know where from. It's got an, got an all-star cast. John C. Riley, Jason Clark, Jason Segal, Adrian Brody. Uh, and it's a... Oh, and I think also... I, sorry, I'm not seeing quickly on the Wikipedia page, but I'm positive that Adam McKay is involved in here somewhere. Okay, yeah, he he is a director on the show. Um, Adam McKay, who did the big short, Oh yeah, yeah. Uh and Vice. And I, and I mentioned that because this show has that thing going on. Let me, let me describe it. It's a show about the Showtime era of the Los Angeles Lakers, beginning in 1979 when uh, Magic Johnson joined the team and he and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, dominated basketball in the 80s and like notably like jazzed basketball up and like uh really drew a lot of ratings to the Spore and that kind of thing. Um, some highlights is that the main stars are all really good. I like John C. Riley a lot, playing as a Dr. Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers. 
Um, I don't know who played Magic and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Their names, but they were both really good uh, playing in their roles. They were they were probably actually my favorites. Just seeing the young Magic and the young Kareem. And I'm not a basketball guy, mind you. So I'm saying all this as a, as a nerd who doesn't watch sports. Yeah, I feel like you'd and want was, unknowns for those roles, right? Because like, yeah, so they can really get immersed into those into the real people as characters. Absolutely. But even as a guy who doesn't play, sorry, doesn't watch basketball, I felt like those two really embodied what I know of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from hypnosis, from hypnosis, from osmosis. Jesus. Um, yeah, hypnotize. I said it has the Adam McKay style. I said it has the Adam McKay style. It doesn't really work all that well. Where like sometimes a character like looks at the, looks at the camera and just says, "This is what I'm thinking," or uh, "This is why this is important." Mm. There's like maybe one or two moments in the whole series where it got a laugh out of me, or like where I felt like it, it fit in. But otherwise, it just like felt like it was a show that wanted to just be a show, but Adam McKay wanted to do his thing. So you don't. Like, I get it. I don't watch basketball, but you don't need to explain basketball to me. You know what I mean? Like, or if you need to explain it, you can figure out some other vehicle rather than just turning and talking to the camera, especially because that gives this show, which is marketed as a fiction and is a fiction, a certain level of faux credibility that gets to some weird places. Um a ton of people who were characterized in the show have come out talking about how inaccurate it is. Oh, and it gets uh, down to classic. It, it gets down to like, not just, Oh, I didn't say that it's them. And sports fans are like raging about this online, uh, changing the outcomes of certain key games to like better fit, <laughs> better fit the story. Oh, it's like, wow. Oh, yeah. It's kind of lame. It's like, Oh yeah. In reality, the Lakers lost to the Celtics here, but they actually beat the Pacers in this, other game like it all kind of washes out where like yeah okay they they win the 1980s or the 1980 nba championship and we see a journey to that victory but it's not the same journey that actually happened in real life and there's some (laughs) there's um one really heinous scene i want to say in the pilot of the second episode where magic johnson is talking to the former owner of the lakers before jerry buss comes in and I'm sorry, I don't have the name handy, but um, this guy is deceased in real life, and they paint him as like an actual, almost cartoonic racist. And I'm like sure <laughs> that that guy would not appreciate that. And this show is loosely based on a book. And from what I was reading online, the people who read the book said that uh, this person has a much more fair characterization of the books or in the book. Damn, dude. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like to the point where the guy, the guy looks at Magic Johnson and calls him boy, and talks about him being a thoroughbred. Of course. (laughs) Yikes! As a show, if if I just ignore all that, I felt like it was a pretty compelling drama show. Like, it it was definitely a lot of fun to watch, and I would recommend it with all these caveats in mind. Name of that again. It is winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. I feel like I learned a little bit about basketball, even if I know it's like all the actual details are fiction. The the whole Showtime era of it, I think, is is captured. You know what I mean? The whole jazzing basketball love. Uh, it's a fun. Sure. It's, it's certainly a, um, a fun premise. 
Did you say uh, how many seasons is this? Is this just a one one season thing? So this show, yeah, this show just came out this year. It's one season so far, but they could definitely just continue it because this is the start of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ruling basketball. You know, you could easily string along a few seasons of the next few years of basketball from that right. starting point. I would always um, rather have a heavily, heavily inspired uh, fictional storyline than one that, uh, you know, aspires or claims to be based on true events and is just factually incorrect in many areas. Yeah, like but you get what I mean. Where like, pervasive. for sure, and like, it's especially egregious for me that even though HBO has the black, the white text on black title card at the beginning where it says this is a dramatization of real events, <clears> um, <throat> it's, it's fictional. The Adam McKay thing, where like Dr. Jerry Buss or John C. Riley as Dr. Jerry Buss is talking to me, the the audience, that gives it this almost faux credibility. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to be like a stupid nerd like me and look it up afterwards, like, see what people are saying on Reddit, you're just going to probably walk away thinking almost everything that happened here is fact. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, by this point in in media, you should understand that these uh, biopics or whatever are usually falsified or usually, you know, wildly incorrect in areas. But, yeah, uh, yeah, if you're just, like, straight up throwing it on, uh, watching it with with no context why not believe what you're seeing? You know, you're it's supposedly yeah. based on true things, true people. Um, the only other thing I wanted to note about it is that I read a very well written, but ultimately kind of scathing review of the show from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I highly recommend it. Uh, he has a really, Oh, that's fun. He has a really cogent and clear writing style. Yeah. He actually, I mean, it he, terrible uh, I, he was a movie reviewer on like Roger ebert.com or something he like probably that. was dude he's, he he's was. a very intelligent yeah, he's man he's a cool dude yeah he, he legitimately was a i think he reviewed movies on on uh on that website yeah if nothing else i think you guys are gonna have a lot of fun if you watch this seeing uh maddie johnson and kareem um interact those are those are always really fun scenes that's cool that's cool that you enjoyed it not as a as a as a non-sports fan pretty much or, I'm not going to lie. Not, not being super into basketball. The reason I even threw it on was I saw John C. Riley was doing this, and he's like the leading actor. And I'm like, really? John C. Riley? <laughs> I got to see what this is. That's how it happens. He does sometimes. well. Uh, Charlie, uh, who's been on the podcast before, posted a funny story that uh, John C. Riley, or apparently Will Ferrell, really wanted this role. And, when, and John C. Riley got it instead, and they're not friends anymore. Like Will Ferrell is not talking to John C. Riley. Oh man, that's because up. Of Will this? Ferrell oh. already did his, yeah. his basketball movie though. He did Semi Pro. He can't oh, be doing man, this one yeah. too. And apparently, for John C. Riley, this like saved his career. Like he said that he was not getting any calls. He was just pretty much done uh, before. That's so weird. He got this role because he he I feel like he He's much great. more than Will Ferrell has. Like I mean, Will Ferrell has range. probably a bigger name, but yeah, range. He has more credibility as an actual actor than Will Absolutely. Ferrell ever has. Yeah, but maybe it's just like Will Ferrell having like the SNL bona fides and shit. Yeah. Like, still to this just, day has that apparently. Although I think like, he's on the decline. I think I think we're he is seeing too. him much more. Any he had a few stinkers. Yeah, that's winning time with our winning time. The rise of the Lakers dynasty. 
Cool. Good recommendation, Fake. Uh, Flask. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Flask. I've continued Golden Sun. I'm just updating cool. that just to say I've done that, and uh, I've made quite a bit of progress. I haven't gotten to the second lighthouse yet, but oh, yikes. I'm in Colosso now. Everybody's got... I want to say everybody has five gen now. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the game. If I were to nitpick, and this isn't even really a true criticism of the game, because this game was ultimately made for kids. I'm really fucking tired of how in every story conversation where somebody explains what to do next, it's explained like three or four times before the end of the conversation. Oh, that's so Japanese. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Isaac, uh. I need you to go ring the blue bell. What? You want me to do what? Ring the blue bell? Yes, Isaac. Ring the blue bell. A bell is a exactly. conical brass object <laughs> that Dude. when struck... Dude, I you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's literally a moment <laughs> like that that happens when the game explains the concept of a mirage to you before you go through the desert. Oh my god. A mirage? I know what that is. A mirage is this. No, no, no. <laughs> exactly. Not see, quite. A mirage is actually this. In the year 1300 AC. I'm just poking fun of it. It's a very relaxing game to play. I'm so enjoying it quite a bit. I'll say more about that when I've gone further in. We've talked about Nightmare of Decay. Nailed that one down. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it everything that you think that little Andy... Would have thought it was just going to be when you opened up that package and got Dark yeah. Network Speedway. That's true. Or, there's there's like emotions behind this. This isn't just a game for you. I'm not even saying I'm not even playing, John. I'm not even just saying this for the pod. When I say it's actually more. Wow. Like Dick, like I'm the, glad the, you're the, enjoying it. I mean, I agree. The, I really the, enjoy the, it too. It's it's I, I loved it as a kid and I liked it. I played it when I was older too. What I knew about this game was iconic JRPG, but like what I've been surprised about with this game is the class system being surprisingly dynamic and versatile. And honestly, the open world puzzles are a lot of fun. Sometimes they really got me scratching my head, um, probably more than they should. But like using my synergy to interact with the world feels like a fairly advanced concept for the time. and something I didn't know was a part of the game before playing it. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. cool. That sounds neat. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to rebound from that that traumatic childhood experience. Me too, me too. Time Don't get me wrong, after wounds. I'm done playing, I do feel a compulsion to go play Cartoon Network Speedway, but so <laughs> far... Why you got the emulator? Why not? I mean... I mean, it's already got the emulator, got the Retroarch and the Play Night, you know, like, why not? That's Golden Sun. God, I had another game at the tip of my tongue. Maybe I don't. Game-wise, Golden Sun... You mentioned emulator. Nightmare of Decay, but you were going to go past that Yeah, we talked about it. That's right, okay. Only other thing I wanted to bring up, and it's kind of a sore subject, I'm not going to lie, uh, we've got some Twin Peaks business to dust off. We mm-hmm. said that we were going to get... Let's not talk about Season Snore. 3 yet. We said we were going to talk about um, your reaction, Vito, to the ending of Season 2. We haven't updated the listeners since the back half oh. of Season 2, I don't think. <clears throat> and, oh, fire, and Fire Walk With Me. Man, I'm a little um, unprepared for this. I thought I thought maybe we were going to do a full episode on this, but I'll do whatever you want to do. I, I kind of mentioned that. I mean, I'm down for that if you want to Let's do that save. because uh, I'm not really ready for this right now, and there's a lot to unpack. 
Yeah, maybe we can, uh, maybe this weekend at some point before we watch a couple episodes, we'll get together and talk on a recorded fashion. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll sit um, in the background. But, just, but, like, like Dale Cooper in the, in the Black Lodge, just wow, kind of listening to you guys. Alert. But, but just to tantalize the listeners a little bit, we have started season three now that you've returned. We're three episodes deep. Um, what, what do you think high, highlights, Vito? What do you think so far? Like, is this what Man. you expected? Is this what you expected season three of Twin Peaks to be? I knew based on what you were saying, and um, I might have seen on the internet people saying that season three follows the tone of Firewalk with me more than it does season one and season two. Um, So I was expecting maybe a more serious show, but it's, it's, I kind of was unprepared for how. It's heavy um, sometimes. The tone is heavy. Heavy. Tonally, like dry, it is. I'm, I'm that's a bad you know, that word sounds negative, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, like I was saying, like, there's not, there's not a lot of comic relief to pin your hat on, like, there wasn't, there's none, there, there's none. And an hour goes by of just people kind of brooding and talking, and you know, um, it's much more in the vein no, of- no background music like at all like not even like you very know, somber tones yeah it's just very silent and it's creepy um super fucking creepy and also uh the first uh we watched three episodes i guess um there's a there's just a lot of like just back-to-back surreal scenes um scenes that take place in the lodge or not even where they're just fucking weird. Um, you know, it, it really does death. seem like it does seem like, you know, Lynch is just waking up and just putting his fucking weird dream. You know, the weird dreams you have that don't really make any sense. Just putting them to film. Um, well, I was going to say I, what, well, what I, I said, they, what I said while we first. were watching was that dichotomy of it being somehow much more grounded than Twin Peaks ever was, but also much more nightmarish than Twin Peaks ever was yeah. in equal measure working together. You know, it, it's actually, it reminds me most of his like 90s and 2000s movies where it's like stuff is kind of dour and like methodical and uh, very dreamlike, very nightmarish, um, but much more like we're in the gritty real world as well. Yeah, like, yeah, part of the story is taking place, you know, you get the police department of, what is it, South Dakota, and those scenes are very grounded. Still, you know, they they plot along, um, but then, man, the scenes with fucking Cooper are weird, and there, there just hasn't been much explanation yet. All of these things are good things. I'm enjoying this, but I'm enjoying it as like a, like an art piece, you know what I mean? Not Not like I do enjoy like other... I, I kind of think that's how David same. Lynch wants you to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how he's structuring the show for you to enjoy it. And and I don't think you're saying this, but like the only the thing I want to get in edgewise is just uh, you know I don't disagree with this feeling like a lot of a lot of times just like David Lynch woke up and just started painting a screen, but I think that he would say that there's there's a method to the madness. Like he's not just putting random imagery on screen, not random to him. Like there's a meaning behind it all he's just not telling you what it is oh and yeah and i, I expect I, I, to I, unfold i really appreciate that because like i don't know it's almost like we were talking about the ai art generator you know what i mean 
you couldn't just wake up and put your dreams onto a canvas and Twin Peaks become a thing. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it isn't Twin Peaks without me genuinely believing there is a thread here, so mm-hmm. that my mind is always trying to solve it, even if I can't. You know what I mean? Thinking exactly. about what does this mean? What is Cooper doing? You know what I mean? And I I've never seen a David Lynch thing before, but he has definitely like built that trust in me, where I I feel confident that even if it never goes anywhere on screen, that like it's going to go somewhere like emotionally and thematically. You know what I mean? Yes, I'm I'm with you there. A lot of the scenes are super surreal, and you know maybe on a surface level they seem nonsensical, but we know they're meticulous because, like you said, he's built our trust so far and, and these things yeah. there is a there, there it does seem like there's a thread there that you could pull on and, and these things do yeah do tie together but man there were some really weird scenes in the first i mean three when, episodes uh, of the season i mean that that's the scene with cooper and the yeah cooper and that was space. like 20 minutes of that episode yeah and that's another thing i mean these episodes are one hour long they're not 40 minutes they're not 50 minutes they're, they're 60 minutes. Who gives a and fucking shit how long it is? Who gives a fucking shit. shit how long it is? Shut up, uh, David. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're long and, they're, and scenes are drawn out. Like, he takes his time and he makes you uncomfortable. And, you know, there might be a scene of somebody fucking spray painting shovels for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> you know, but it really makes you think like, what is he trying to tell me with this, with this scene? What does this mean? Shoot. Some How folks here watch entire YouTube channels. That shit. Yeah. Also much more um, effects heavy than, <laughs> than the original Twin Peaks series. Yeah. Part of me likes to think that like David Lynch has a budget and like technology now. And like he's doing stuff that he wishes he could have done in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Cause he gets really just- silly with the digital effects that so you can tell it's just, <laughs> yeah. Something that he really wanted to do. He saw it in his head, and now he can do it. So he tells yeah. the VFX people exactly how do he it. wants it done. Even if it looks oh. weird and kind of bad. And I just want to mention that scene. So it's been uber serious and creepy. Super fucking creepy. I mean, it's like a horror show at this point. Every episode. But I think it is, yeah. In, in that last episode, maybe episode two or three, that scene in the uh, Twin Peaks uh, police department with Hawk and Andy and uh, what's her name? Lucy. Lucy. Ha- you know, I've been thinking about that scene and how weird it was. So it's like a classic comic relief scene, but it's fucking not, dude. It's, oh, it's Deputy I- Hawk, does the chocolate bunny have anything to do with your heritage? It, you know, it, 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 is, it is funny and weird, but it really does feel like Lynch is like almost parodying a scene or satiring a scene from the original Twin Peaks. That's what I was saying when we were watching it. I was like, he's poking at us. (laughs) Because it's weird. No, I think he is. It's not just straight up funny. It it actually made me uncomfortable, that scene. It wasn't, I didn't find it comedic. I found it kind of uncomfortable. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's totally intentional. I I, I think you're getting something real, real there. The only other thing I wanted to mention before we get too far away from the thought, you were talking a lot about how still everything is, how quiet everything is. And that just reminded me of, um, I saw a little bit of behind the scenes of an episode that we haven't seen yet. So I'll, I'll be sparse with the details. But David Lynch was talking about, he's like, you know, I grew up in the 50s. And he's talking about how the thing that you don't really understand about the 50s and that it's never captured right in the film and media and such. He's like, 
racist. It was very dark. Very, very dark outside. Pitch black. You wouldn't believe oh, how dark it was. Less and light very pollution. quiet. And very quiet. Yeah, just less light pollution and less people around, I guess. Right. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. That's funny. I mean, he definitely, definitely captures that. Um, the sound definitely really caught, you know, caught my attention. It's um, very intentional too. Like, like there's like the first episode, the the first episode, one of the first scenes was the giant talking to Cooper, and he's like, "Remember this noise," or something like that. And it's like the sound of like a cassette tape reeling backwards or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that mm. weird skipping noise. Yeah. Um. But I think we're getting a little bit into our Twin Peaks pod. I think that's enough sure. for now, unless you had sure. any final thoughts. Get out I was of just going to mention that I've been loving the, the end credit scenes, how oh, they seem so like yeah. he's literally just inserting an entire song from a band. And like a live music a, li- a live that, performance of a, of a band yeah. that he likes. That, and not only does he like, but it, fit, it does fit the, the vibe. And I actually yeah. really did appreciate the jump from uh, what's the place called the, Ro- the Roadhouse, um, the band that would play at the Roadhouse in season one and two, and then like Julie having Cruz. The, yeah, Julie Cruz, and then having like the Chromatics, and I felt like a, a as the first band that plays in the Roadhouse in the new season, and like it just felt like a the, very natural, oh, like oh yeah, this is like the the. The twi- yeah. 25 years later, this would be the version of Julie Cruz. Yeah, exactly. I thought the exact like, same thing about the chromatics. Yeah. Maybe a little bit less so about the people who came next, but it was still a good yeah. vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was still a good vibe, though. It made me think of uh, like the Roadhouse as a venue in Brooklyn. Actually, it makes me think of a specific venue, uh, Baby's All Right in Brooklyn. Just like a very hip venue and like, oh, this is how the town of Twin Peaks has changed. Like the demographic. Anyway, just super cool how how those scenes come in and then the credits start rolling and you, it's very it's it's just like a weird way to slip an end credit in. I I I'm reminded a, a little bit of the ending of season one when Dale is shot and he wakes up from his coma in season two, um, and he just all these terrible things happened overnight while he was out and it's just told to him. You know, it's almost like this is what that was what happened to Twin Peaks when Dale Cooper was out for one night. And maybe what we're seeing now is what happened to it 25 years yeah. with Cooper being gone. I don't know we how, really how much, seen much Twin Peaks so far. No, we haven't. No. And I hope we get to see more of it because I would like to see if more of those those changes, modern changes. You see a lot more young people around in those roadhouse scenes and they're hip. I wonder if they're still um, singing songs in their living rooms. I wouldn't even be surprised if we don't. Like, I would not be surprised if we don't see any Twin Peaks this whole season mm. just because of David Lynch's whole thing about closure. Like, he knows that we want to go back to Twin Peaks. So why would he ever give that to us? You what know what a, I mean? What an asshole. Wow, you subverted my expectations, David. That's all I got on Twin Peaks. That's all I got on my round table. And I think it's time. It's finally time for a little bit of news, 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 news. That was perfect. I couldn't have asked for a better. Uh, Google shutting down Stadia to (laughs) in a move that in general didn't surprise any of us, but I think actually 
I, w- I was hearing some people talking about it elsewhere. Maybe surprise some of the people working on Stadia. Everyone involved like this, in Stadia. <laughs> like the Stadia folks are still striking deals, still making stuff, still promising things, and then Google, big Google, just announced it's done. Um, yep. No surprise. Uh, uh, one number I want to see is they're going to offer refunds for all the hardware and things that you bought on Stadia that you can no longer access. Um, I think the only thing they're not offering a refund for is Stadia Pro subscriptions, which which is kind of reasonable because like you, you know, you pay $15 a month. You had the content for that month. So why would I give it to you now that you can't get it next year? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I want to see how much money they're, they're spending on refunds for all Stadia hardware purchases and software transactions made to this. Uh, I think store. I think refunds are the right thing to do, but I'm also at the same time very surprised. Like I, I when I read that, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's I mean, cool." I, that's- yeah, it is great for the consumer, and you wish that this happened every single time something like this happened because people do fucking cancel services. Yeah, I mean, how, how many things are just canceled and they're like, with, "Yeah, no, with nothing you. for you." Yeah. yeah. Um, but also on the other side of that, uh, you gotta know that there's some ulterior motive behind this some it's it's it can't just be pr there's got to be some like in the weeds uh sort of behind the scenes statistical what, like legal thing or maybe legal maybe legal actually um i was thinking more that, that like they're, they're probably just hardware hammer- yeah oh now, i see what you're saying that like because yeah especially with the eu regulation laws maybe because they sold this hardware with the only thing that you could do with the hardware is access a cloud service that's no yes. longer going to exist. That's interesting. I, I guess I was thinking of the more banal explanation that like they're just hemorrhaging money on cloud storage costs and everything, and it just it, it makes less financial sense for them to uh, not refund people. Um, yeah, I, is- I'm not sure, but it it could be a mixture of those. You know, it could be mm-hmm. like part PR, yeah. part some legal requirements for this specific stuff that they uh, sold. Either way, I was, I was a little surprised by that, but that was interesting. Uh, and I saw Ubisoft is um, like, if you bought a Ubisoft game on Stadia, they're allowing you to, I guess, get that game elsewhere, like PC or maybe console or something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Ubisoft specifically. Yeah, there are a few. So I actually, um, I recommend, I mean, it's it's not much more than this, but uh, Ross Scott did a video on his Dead Game News channel. He covers mm-hmm. dead games and services. Um, he did talk about the uh, the legal thing that I that I mentioned. I kind, I kind of was thinking about that, but he kind of like solidified that idea for me. Um, and then he went on to talk about... Um, like some of the games that are exclusive to it and other stuff. So uh, it's a short video from Ross Scott that he covers this topic because he actually, he is all the way for the death of this service because he thinks that if it had succeeded, it would have been the harbinger of a much worse gaming scene in the future. Like that if it, it had done well, it would have signified the death of physical media and owning the things Mm -hmm. that you bought you know which i understand that outlook so yeah go watch his video uh as well kind of 
spilling out from the same news cycle, we learned that Stadia turned down an exclusive Death Stranding follow-up that would have been uh, a series of episodic... I don't know if it was marketed as one game released episodic chapters or a series of episodic games in the Death Stranding universe. Apparently Hideo Kojima was really excited about the idea of working out with the cloud. Why? I guess just because it's hmm. like a new tech? I mean, maybe for somebody like Kojima, it might just literally be that thematically or resonant with the themes of the game. The game right. Like, where, you're, yeah. where you're building a cloud network. That you know makes I mean? sense. Yeah. And it would have been Episodic like... horror game. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I don't know if... I don't think that we have a good reason to think that this isn't what Hideo Kojima is still doing. That's what I would. Maybe it's that's not, what I was going to say. Could yeah. very well be. Like, if he was really excited about this project, what we just learned from this is that he shopped it to this one uh, platform that didn't want it. You know, is he really going to just say, "No, nah, I don't want to do this anymore," or is he going to find a way to package it and sell it to another platform? Oh, for you know sure. I mean? Right. There's a, there's other options. I yeah. Like it, wasn't there rumors or? Even announcements or something about a Death Stranding too, or, or oh Kojima. Yeah, there's we, a sequel you know, happening. Yeah, but Kojima just uh, did that one weird announcement where he said he was working on something. Well, he said he was um, working on something, and I think who Norman Reedus, based on a Norman right. Reedus, Reedus interview, we know that there is a follow up coming. But as and last point, when we talked about this, it hasn't been confirmed as a Death Stranding direct sequel. It, at least a part two, whatever that means. Okay. <laughs> it has been confirmed yeah. as a part two. Yeah, whatever that means is, is I guess, what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that it would make sense that he's... I mean, yeah, Death Stranding 2, probably. He's probably still working on Death Stranding 2. And, now it's just and this might out, still be in the works on, as a different, you know, a spinoff yeah. episodic series. Hey, everyone. You guys remember 2012? When you were seeing memes about six season in a movie, yeah. Well, sure. it's actually happening. A community Yay. movie is 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 coming coming to fruition in 2023. Um, though not everyone is confirmed to return. Uh, Shirley, Yvette Nicole Brown as Shirley, Donald Glover as Troy Barnes, and Chevy Chase as Pierce Hawthorne are not returning. Which makes sense as from well, where we left our characters. <laughs> as well as, um, uh, yeah, which makes sense where we left those characters, as well as a series of minor bit characters. Or side characters, maybe. I don't want to call them minor bit characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly for me, the lack of Troy is, is a, I don't know, a troubling sign. It's not a great sign. I'm sure it'll still be a great, fun movie, but Troy was always a certain type of energy that I thought was, you know. Oh, I definitely liked help, him on the show, but to be fair, he was not a part of the show for a while at the end there, like for several seasons. Um, it's uh, several surely, seasons. Yeah. Like a season yeah. and a half. Right. I mean, uh, there were at least two, I think, I think I, I actually don't know exactly how many, but I, I know it was longer than a season, probably two seasons or more. I don't know. Editor's note, Donald Glover did leave community partway into the fifth season. So Andy is completely right. Regardless, I mean, either. for me, for me, community mm-hmm. is, is best described as the first three seasons, you know, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, the, the one, uh, 
absent uh, character that I might actually would miss is uh, Paget Brewster as um, I forget her character's name, but she was she was actually the best new addition in the later seasons. Uh, so it's unfortunate that she's not going to be returning, but it's all the main people Frankie aside Dutch. from Frankie. Right. Uh, it's all the main people aside from the couple that had technically left by the time the show ended. Uh, I guess if I were to say one other than Troy, I really, really like John Oliver's Ian Duncan. Oh yeah, he's not. Uh, it was, be that was a very delightful character. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll s- yeah. look for that in 2023. Um, somehow I'm surprised that this is happening. Uh, <laughs> yes, Dan Harmon in general, I think is a pretty good comedy writer. So I think it'll something fun will come out of it. We'll see. Especially if he's like really, you know, hunkering down to make this the best it can be, you know? That would I would yeah. I would love to see what he produces with that in mind that this has been a long time coming. And that's kind of what you hope. I mean, he made Rick and Morty. He doesn't need money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Now for some bad news. Ugh. No. The ZAUM Cultural Association dissolved. Oh, yes. That's not a good thing. Uh, and key members, including author Robert Kurvitz, were apparently forced out of ZAUM at the end of last year. ZAUM, only game released so far, of course, is Disco Elysium. Um, essentially, the main author behind the setting in the game, Robert Kurvitz, one of the lead writers, Helen Henpeer, and the main um, artist who famously is the one who convinced Robert Kurvitz to make his failed novel into a game, were all ousted by outed uh, of the company. As in, they did not voluntarily leave. There was legal whatever happenings that, that forced them out of the company. So Dude, basically the people at good. the fucking core of the company that made the game what it is. <laughs> yeah. You say it's not good, and I suppose I can agree with you, but it's undeniable that this is just fulfilling my prophecy. I can't believe this. I think it's uh, yeah, fulfilling its own universe's prop- uh, prophecy. Folks, it's just, like you know it's perfectly about, we'll check our, uh, what was that, 100 episode, uh, 100 episode uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you pretty much called it. Yeah, it's the one where we were playing games and shit, and the game was to like ruin one of the other hosts' favorite games. And I think you picked either Andy's or my game, Disco Pick Elysium. Andy's picked, yeah, pick Disco Elysium. I, I originally said they're going to be bought by EA, and you know, I can't be dead on. But then I said they would have microtransactions, and I said it would become live service. And that one yeah, is potentially real. Yeah. Uh, that was that was another bit of it is that people were posting that some recent job openings at ZAUM included um, monetization strategy live service keywords. Cool, John. You're supposed I, to use your powers for good, not evil. You know that, right? I don't think that anything can just be satired anymore. <laughs> if you just imagine anything, just pick anything real. that you love. Then make it and worse. Just imagine the worst version of it. That just know that that's a prediction, and and there's no joke. I, Almost I like that's just what happens under capitalism. 
Yeah. And one of the investors is like the supposedly the first person in uh Finland, right? Estonia. Estonia, to Jesus. Be Estonia to be convicted of, of fraud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny that all this happened to this game in a way. It's funny. Oh, it's yeah, also yeah. really sad. No, I mean, obviously. It, I, I, this I, is I'm not I'm not saying I don't get the irony behind the you know, capitalism consumes all message of the game. And of course, of course you couldn't make a lot of money and be openly communist for too long. You know what I mean? Like the the people that know money are just going to subsume your labor. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I could only hope that the creatives behind this um, do something else. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, we don't have to play Disco Elysium too, but I, I would love. But these more guys in weren't world. Yeah, but at the same time, like, how much were these guys like actually game devs? You know what I mean, like. How right. how do you bounce back from achieving superstar success from your like personal weird little world being realized in a game and everybody fucking loving it, and then like a year, year and a half, two years later, it's all ripped out from you, and you know you're just thrown out into the marketplace to uh, do it again. Yeah, fucking sucks. And how must the other employees feel at this point? Like, what are they? What's going on oh, yeah. in their heads? The yeah, for sure. There. Right, yeah. Yeah. There was some fun drama on the subreddit I was half watching this week where like people who were working on the company were kind of posting on Twitter about like, you know, hey, you know, it's not all about the the main auteur. There's there's a lot of people working on this game. And then people like looking up how long they've been employed at the company and it's like, all right, yeah, you're saying that you've been, you you've been working at this company for six months, like two years ah. after Disco Elysium came out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yes. I, not to say that that message isn't true, which means that we shouldn't be super doom and gloom because Disco Elysium 2 might still be a good game. Um, most of the people who worked on Disco Elysium 1, as far as we know, are going to be working on Disco Elysium 2. You know, it wasn't the main auteurs. And we don't know how much progress was made on the game and the concept and the writing and all that before this happened. So, you know, not to say that I'm not 100% on the side of doom and gloom. It's just. It is a game that we'll just have to see how it turns out. Even if I don't, uh, if, I will not pay for it. Just yeah. I might play it, but I'm not going to pay for this. God, it's, it's so yeah. shitty to be one of the key people left at the company because who made who uh, made Disco Elysium one what it is? Because like, yeah, you, there's such a you know a contradiction there that you can never feel good about what you're doing again, basically. Like the yeah. core was cut out of the company of the the amazing product that everyone loved, and now you're just like, well, it's my job. I'm going to still do it to the best of my ability, but this is no longer what it once was. Yeah, this, this think, news was terrible, absolutely horrible. But the that fucking job description posting of like yeah. a a microtransaction analyst or whatever, and live live someone who knows live service models, monetization that that fuck uh that fucking killed me. That's like it hurts, dude. That's like, oh my god! That's what John said. It's like literally a joke world version of Disco Elysium Two. I can only, I can only hope that's a different game. A doom bell is a black conical object made of brass, unholy brass, even that when you, <laughs> <laughs> that when struck, signifies the end of the world. 
I think that um, part of the so this actually happened towards the end of last year, uh, and there was a I, I guess we missed it, but there was a little bit of whispers that that happened last year, uh, but this is the first time that anybody involved um, with the the actual creation has mentioned anything. Kurvitz and Rostov, that was the name of the artist I couldn't remember earlier, are both shareholders in the studio. So I'm no big legal money mind, but I think they were probably actually obligated to not say anything and still probably are actually obligated to not say anything because what they might say could affect the share price because they're so influential and that would, you know, that could get them in legal trouble. Uh, yeah, I imagine these people can't say anything because they haven't also. At most, and the tweet is leaked to the docket. At most, there is a tweet where they just confirmed we're that they're no longer at the studio. Yeah, which stuff like that is always just flinging copious salt into the wounds that they've given you. And I don't. This doesn't need to be say, said out loud, but I feel like I just need to, like, the monetization and live service, you know, job posting related to disc elysium like obviously <laughs> it's like it's terrible because you know you don't want that shit in any of your favorite games but it's like extra terrible because just how do you shoehorn monetization and live service into a game like disco elysium you have chapters. to just right i figured maybe like a like a chapter thing maybe like walking dead or something like that but like monetization um You'd have to destroy like the fabric that the game is like built on to do something like. That. Yeah, a lot Absolutely. of times they take things out to to monetize them back right. in. You know, I just want to end that story with um, a quote from Martin Lu- Luiga. Luiga, he was the man who broke the news, and he sort of describes himself as the fourth member of the Disco Elysium crew, along with the three that were fired. Um, he was a head editor on the game. He says, imagine a kleptomaniac, if you will, only that instead of saying, stealing, say, a lollipop, they take pains to manipulate dozens of people to steal, in the end, from themselves, just because they happen to be very proficient in that kind of an operation. It's all they always do, really. One of them was the first guy to be convicted for investment fraud in Estonia. All the same, I don't know if we would have managed to get the initial investment with all these people. It's like a snake with an MBA eating its own tail. Part, you know, and this is just totally my editorializing. The way I'm reading that is that uh, they were structuring the studio to be very pro-union and very communist, and uh, the shareholders, the investors who had voting and share voting power and everything, said, "No, nah, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it the way that we know makes money by structuring it like a typical capitalist organization." Thumbs up. <laughs> Well, in other capitalist Eastern European gaming news, CD Projekt Red has come out with a slew of new announcements. Uh, a whole slate of games. We have Project Sirius, slew slate. which is a Witcher project. We have Project Polaris, which is a Witcher 3 sequel starting a new trilogy, all of which are supposed to be released within six years of each other. We have Project Canis Majoris, which is a new story-driven Witcher open-world RPG. So, uh, yes, I did just say three different Witcher projects. <laughs> and we have Project Orion, which is a C- or which is a Cyberpunk 2077 sequel as well. 
a new IP codenamed Hadar. So obviously, you know, the three first, the three uh, Witcher projects. Okay, John. The three Witcher projects are, uh, you know, uh, Celestial, oh, rather, um, what do you call it? Constellation related, you know? But um, Mm -hmm. Sirius and Canis Majoris are both like dog related also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it makes me think of the dog school of Witchers, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's a leap. Editor's note, there is no dog school of witchers. There's just a wolf school, of course. Do we know any well, characters? There's, there's, another, there's another linkage there, Flask, is that those two projects are notably not being made directly by CD Projekt Red. Okay. Sirius is being made by the Molasses Flood. I don't understand what that is or who that is. And Candace Majoris is being made by just some third party. But the new Witcher trilogy is what's being pioneered by CD Projekt Red. And was it you that was speculating that that might be Siri? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a new Seems trilogy as a yeah, sequel to Witcher 3, that's who you would pick up with. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Geralt's story is over with, especially after the Blood and Wine DLC that kind of sunset it on Geralt. And also, there's something... I, I, I don't have this connected to my head, but there's something about Polaris being like... A, a a prominent celestial object, and then she's like a a point yeah. in the in the sky. I don't know. <laughs> There's something there. I feel like. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the channel. It's your editor again. I got my notes here. Sirius is the brightest star in the sky, but Polaris is the North Star, otherwise known as the Pole Star. And Siri kind of sounds like Sirius, but also she could be referred to as like a pole between dimensions, sort of a fixed nexus point, if you will. I'm not sure that's actually accurate to the lore, but I'm just saying it. She also is Polish, so she could be referred to as a... Hey, wait, 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 I got more, I got more. We're going to be really interested to see how the uh, story device, the Empress of Nilfgaard, into um, do- doing monster hunting. But <laughs> I'm sure they'll figure out some way it makes sense. Fuck this shit, this, uh, I'm out of I- here. How does this announcement make you guys like feel? I don't I'm, care. I mostly feel nothing. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to say I don't care. Does it give you m- more? That's what I should ask. Does it give you more or less confidence in CD Projekt Red going forward, in the in the you know the quality of their games? I think no I don't change. Think it changes it. For, yeah, I don't think it changes. I mean, I think that there, there's one or two stories that could be told here. It's a story where they realize they really fucked up on Cyberpunk 2077. So their next games just have to be better because of it. They have to actually deliver. They have to be careful about how they market and all that. Um, then the other story is that in, in the process of making the disaster of Cyberpunk's launch, uh, they lost a ton of good talent and the mm. stars to make what the stars to do the stuff to make these next games really tremendous aren't there any longer that's a great point yeah i i could so see i i don't i don't know how to feel about it right now well we, we, literally, we literally just will have to see how it is you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, I i feel weird when a, a studio is announcing this many projects this many enormous projects i mean they're a big studio now they've grown immensely um, for sure so I guess, you know, that's, that's not that crazy, but, um, you know, you're announcing like the next probably like 10 years of, of games here. I don't know. It's just a bold, a bold move to be announcing all this right now. Like 
especially after like cyberpunk took so fucking long to come out. Yeah. Um, like, why don't you just announce stuff when it's closer to being ready? You know, I agree, but I, but there, you know, I guess what I mean to say is this is, I, I think this is like a move guided by shareholders, you know? Oh, the, for sure. The, the, they, the, they, 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 they have to tell the shareholders to do something. Yeah. And, and also, you know, the Netflix uh, show came out and it's doing pretty well. So I think they're just kind of capitalizing on that and be like, Hey, we're here. We're making these games are coming out. Um, let's keep the, the news cycle going for CG project red. And I just hope these games are good, but I'm not, I think there's also a certain element of, Hey, maybe let's not invest 100% of our, you know, put all of our eggs into one basket that we then have a shitty launch on that totally <laughs> fucks with our market projections for years and years. Like there's a certain element of like, this is probably what they should have been doing all along is trying to diversify by like doing a bunch of different projects that may take off in a big way. You know what I mean? Rather right. than trying to go for like one monolith in gaming. They're like transitioning to a to being a a much bigger studio and working on different. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they they expanded significantly during the cyberpunk stock craze, where like they're right. they were like one of the most they were like one of if not the biggest company in Poland by like market growth. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were. Yeah. No, they still got all those employees, so they got to do something with them. I was also going to say earlier in response to Vito's question, um, uh, like a, a different but complementary angle about this whole thing is that uh, we're at a strange place in the Witcher series because as as good as Witcher 3 was, and I do think it and its DLCs are still some of the best game that has ever been made quality wise, uh, no matter how you personally feel about it. Um, it. It has left us at a very strange point for further games because it was done you know like that was an ending point for the witcher series and we kind of always thought that there would be more they weren't just going to let the ip wither and die because it's too profitable but we're, we're now getting back to it at a point after the disastrous cyberpunk 2077 experience so it's mm -hmm. like we're, we're having to pick up what was an amazing series uh, with new content that is neither expected nor like really anticipated to be as good because right. of again the talent loss. So like, <laughs> and now we we also have in our heads Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven had so many problems, you know. So it's like <laughs> it's just the worst time Frame, to, framed to that have way. To framed that way, I, I can't help but think that like the angle is going to be that some decade or two decades into series rule on Nilfgaard, some other conjunction of the spheres-like event ah. happens that brings monsters back into the world. And so there's an incentive to like get all the Witcher schools back up and going. And uh, uh, the, these three games are going to follow different perspectives in that new dynamic where the monsters are back again. Because like you said, it wasn't just a finished world as far as the main narrative goes. Like, the whole the whole idea of witchering was was pretty much a done concept it was gone, by yeah. the time like Geralt is probably not literally the last living witcher ever but he was probably in the last generation and among the last you know what i mean mm -hmm. 
And you could try to pull off some kind of Siri perpetuates the Witcher's thing, but I don't know how you could do that without it feeling somehow artificial. You know, like the, somehow yeah. like doing it for the benefit of uh, the ex- expectations of the game rather than the integrity of the world. Nonetheless, I, I can't see another way for them to go about building a franchise that follows Witcher 3 except doing that, you know what I mean? Maybe she could get attacked and then emergency teleport into a different dimension where the rest of the games take place, all three. <laughs> she goes to uh, plague-ridden London in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, right. She actually, she actually does go there in the books. It's pretty cool that there's like a little cameo That's appearance from sad. our London during the Black Death. 1800s. Anywho, that's all we got. That's not correct. That's all we got on the docket. That's all we got for you gamers tonight as far as the roundtables go. Um, what an episode. So sure talked about a lot. We talked about the dangers of capitalists assuming the value of labor. We talked right. about a little bit of uh, Vito's journey through the Oddworld series. He did not like it. No, not good. Not good. We caught everybody back up on the two-piece. And tantalized you. Yeah, okay. You know what? You know what, John? The podcast is ending, and you didn't get to talk about one piece at all today. None. You didn't bring it up once. Even though you're in your favorite little thriller bark arc, whatever you call it. Is that why I like John better today? Like I had a better experience not my, with him. It's not my favorite arc, but if you'd like to talk about my favorite arc, I can do that. I just want to say, listeners, the One Piece is not real. One Piece is real. One Piece is real. One Piece is real. The One Piece is not real. Except in book form. Well, obviously we're butting heads on this. I just got to get an impartial judge in here. Um, Vito and Flask, at the same time, why don't you give the last word to our listeners about whether or not you guys think the one piece is real. All right, we do it like uh, all at once or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, two, one, go. It's real. Well, it does currently exist, but it's like it's in one big book, very long book with many, many pages. But yet, like John said in a previous episode, it does not make sense that he would have released it before the series is done because that's not a complete one piece. That's like a piece that could has potential to be one if you add more pages, but right now it's not a cohesive whole. The One Piece is real and you're not going to believe what it is. Find out on the next episode of Broken Campfire. Were you the one who talked about racist space D&D? Was I there for racist space D&D? Yeah. No. I think so. I I, I don't think I was, and I'm glad. (laughs) <laughs> all right I'll, I'll make sure to get you in on the next session <laughs> <laughs> all right good night everybody good night good night